This one is something that I put together that I want to deliver a dance. I actually have a lot of time individually with a lot of different folks here and shops in and folks outside of the industry too and want to be able to convey some of the things that I've learned and things that I'm seeing and picking up on that are happening. So these are 11 different thoughts. If you guys have questions or just something to talk about, feel free to always raise your hand and we'll dive right into it. So let's get going. First, yes. Why 11? It just happened to be 11. It was 9, then it went 10, and then I was like, oh, 11. Sorry, now it's 11. Um, so the first thing, Instagram, I think that this is still a very undervalued platform that we're, I see more and more shops are getting into. This totally depends on where your ideal target customer base is, but Instagram is becoming a huge, huge platform for being able to connect with not only influencers, businesses, but also consumers too, really, really closely. Um, in between engagement, um, different news feed types of rules, the things that happen on the platform that they're creating, they're changing it and turning it into a kind of, um, kind of episodic uh, application for people to be able to use. I'm sure you guys saw the new IGTV. I think it's still very early to know exactly how that's gonna be utilized. But as you can see, it's really turning into kind of episodes of people that are doing things and people watching things in a lot more smaller consumption base. But it has to do with also building the brand and it has to do with kind of outreach. Um, some things that I wanted to show you guys that I've learned on engagement and newsfeed and Instagram is the ability to gain your follower base and drive in new traffic. So of course, just like Instagram, having a Yelp, having a website, having business cards and all that, it goes into the social proof of what you guys are doing. It goes into the um, feel that you guys are creating, the brand that Matt talked about earlier. Now, how do I do this? So for basics, a lot of you guys know, you know, posting photos, going on, recording things you're doing, recording live. That's great, that's kind of the foundational things. Now, a couple things to do though to boost the engagement are different types of posts. So let's look at this example. Here's a post that we made. This is a video, we obviously put out tons of different content, but this is a video with a just static picture with our basic caption here. As you can see, the second comment is tags, which I definitely suggest creating that, and then it's very kind of statement-esque. It, really, uh, it doesn't really engage the person or the user. It doesn't ask a question. It's not something that, that really brings me out to want to do something. So there's about 55 likes or so and a couple comments. So this isn't going to show up on very many other people's news feeds that either follow us or on the Discover page. But now when you want to start building your following and when you see some folks with the 20, the 30,000, let's just say they're organic followers and starting to build that brand on Instagram, you have to start switching to more of these engaging types of posts. Here's another example. So um, here's a post, screens on screens, how many do you have at your shop? As you can see, it's a very generic type of question, a very open question. Notice how it's only really two lines that's very specific because it shows up on the newsfeed and doesn't get cut off and truncated, and that way people can read it. Now something like this, 
as you can see, gets 347 likes and probably 20, 30, 40 different comments as things go back and forth really quick. This is all within the same time that I posted this one, the same day, so that's negligible. What's the difference? Okay, so the way Instagram rates these types of posts is the short types of caption, if it gets rapid clicks of licks, or I'm sorry, of clicks from, <laughs> from people especially that have a good follower are improvements to that post and will get you pushed further. Also, the quick comments right away. Now when someone's scrolling through really quick, this connects with our audience, right? You guys. So when you see this, a lot of you guys will say, oh, that's awesome. That relates to me. I'll comment 300, 1,000, things like that. And that generates a bit of a boost. So all of these things kind of build up. And then you start to pop up right when you open the app. So you ever notice that sometimes when you open Instagram for the first time, and then there's certain photos that are kind of floated to the top. Well, those are the ones that you're more likely to engage with. For our target customer, again, this is the type of post that they would engage with. So Instagram starts to float those up. So again, it's very highly engageable. It's short and quick. It's almost an obvious type of question. And then the one thing you don't see here actually is the hashtags. Um, when you start to search Instagram, you'll start to see your similar hashtags that you'll want to be able to paste into every single post. That helps you be able to show up on what's called hashtag news feeds, which are things that people can follow now and or show up on the Discover page. And when you get on that Discover page, that's when really things start to take off. So you start to get posts like this, you start to get ones where we hit almost thousands of uh, thousand likes, and those really carry and generate more of your follower base. So the similar types of your target customers that are like that, it gets pushed onto others and it kind of um, brings you out into to a wider audience for you guys for free, right? So this is free advertising to be able to do. Now, I've dabbled a lot with um, some paid advertising around this to boost it. I'm sure Shelby, who's dying to, yeah, go ahead. as a comment, the first comment right away after it's posted. And the reason is, is because it doesn't get truncated up here. When it ends around the second line, when you're scrolling in the feed, it shows that full line. If it continues on, or if there's sometimes like, you'll put like dot, 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 right, and then the hashtag, it still is gonna truncate and is gonna cut you off around here. Then you lose part of that engagement proposal. So it, it, it slows you down. From, from getting more exposure. Um, so um, there are ways that uh, I'm sure Shelby, somewhere on here, will be able to dive more into some of the online advertising uh, with boosting this. But what's awesome is this is completely free to be able to do and to be able to post. Now, there's a lot of different research that talks about posting in the AM versus PM um, days. You can actually see on your app, if you upgrade to a business account, you can see some of the analytics where you get some more engagement. For us, it's usually between Tuesday-ish to Friday, usually more in the afternoon. People are done printing or, or just tired and start flipping through the phone, and that's where we start to pop up. So the other thing that I want to talk about here that's really sweeping the industry, or I'm sorry, outside the industry, is voice and audio. Um, first of all, audio 
is huge in that podcast. If you're not podcasting for on topics for your ideal customer, you really should start. And it's very, very convenient for your ideal types of uh, clients, whether they're small businesses in your area, their high school sports teams, things like that on topics. You can start immediately. There's apps you can download called Anchor FM to be able to record on your phone or call via Skype and record what's going on and be able to put that content up regularly without editing or doing very much. Now, the reason this is so big is because as people are always on the go, they're driving the popularity of podcasts and just listening to content is just completely through the roof. Um, this is along your content strategy of putting out free and good information to other similar types of customers that will drive incoming business. Now keep in mind, this is long-term strategy, okay? This isn't, I'm gonna do a podcast the next four times and I get tired and over it, and then you stop. You have to continue plan on doing this. So start off trying to do it once a month, continue posting, and continue, you'll watch your audience start to build, and you guys will be the center for knowledge in your niche, in your area. And then it helps drive the business. Okay, so next is more on the voice side. Um, this is something that's being talked about a lot around search engine, what's the next kind of search engine. We definitely believe voice is huge. How many people by raise of hands have Alexa in their home? So as you can see, using your voice, whether it's via Alexa, whether it's Siri, is massive because it reduces the amount of friction from a consumer like me to a good. So this is further in the future here, but when you think about this, people are starting to order goods through a, a, a voice and it's being delivered to them. You know, people are saying, hey, can I order 15 shirts, one color black, or can you reorder? So these are the things that we're starting to do internally and starting to think about as far as um, automating communication inside the shop and communicating with your customer outside the shop. I think it also goes along the side to say, similarly with what Matt was talking about, about what does your brand sound like? How do people communicate with you? Whether it's the people on the phone or whether you guys actually take it further and have some sort of Alexa skill for people to be able to, to talk directly to your company. Um, convenience wins. Whoever is the most convenient for the customer wins. You guys remember maybe five-ish years ago when you started to look for a good online and when you found it, you looked at the shipping cost, and like, okay, nine, 10 bucks, it'll be here in about a week. But now, what do you do when you need something? You open the Amazon app and you expect it to be there either next day or two days later. So as you can see, and that's why they dominate, and that's why convenience is gonna win no matter what happens as, as time progresses. So then, then we also talked about uh, your business zone. Okay, so APIs, this is a bit of a, a technical reference, application programmable interface, um, but what it means is that it allows the interchange of data between applications. So as you guys look to automate things, as you guys look to connect the CRM to Printavo and that to an email marketing software and email marketing to your, your phones and your phones to your help desk 
APIs are, are the wave of how it's been for a while and of completely being able to push forward um, into the future here. Now Zapier is an incredible way, zapier.com, to be able to do this right now. This is something we've invested in early on to make sure that people can try to exchange data in and out of Printavo specifically, but you guys can do at home in your business to be able to say, I have people uploading Google Sheets to me, I want to take those and email them out separately to the individual people, or automatically create invoices in Printavo from that information. So this is really, really important. Now, to dive deeper, um, you do have to hire some sort of software developer. Software developer, uh, Upwork.com is a great place and resource for you guys to be able to hire someone like that. Highly recommend not going cheap on this. Um, we've been burned by that as well. And that's what we do is build software. So um, find someone, hopefully local, that has good experience, that has good ratings, and that is not the bottom of the barrel just because they're $5 an hour. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. OK, retargeting. I recently saw, was it Jared? Did you talk about retargeting? Possibly. Or did you? I, thought, I posted something on our group chat yesterday that, because I went to Jared's site yesterday to look at shirts while I was waiting to get on my flight. And you started seeing. And immediately I went on Facebook and it showed up right in our newsfeed. Awesome. You trapped him. You stalked him. <laughs> so uh, retargeting, I like to say, is a no brainer. It is an absolute no brainer for your business to be retargeting. There's a reason why every single e-commerce store you go to, you put something in your cart or you start looking at a product and it follows you around like Brian had. That's because people have to see your products and your brand and your company multiple times before they make a decision. Now, ideally that's also in multiple mediums too. So right, so you're starting to get in, you're starting to hear the, okay, I've got them on the audio, I've got them on Facebook with retargeting, I've got them on Google display ads with retargeting. But retargeting is an absolutely big no-brainer. Now, what's really, really cool about it is you can even specifically target the ideal types of customer that you want based on what they did on your website, too. You probably don't want to retarget every single person that comes to your website once and bails after five seconds. They might be who knows. But maybe someone who looks at two different pages on your website adds a product if you have retail into a cart, or maybe goes to your quote page to um, generate a quote. Those are the types of ideal customers you want to look at retargeting. Now, we personally, when we got started with retargeting, saw an immediate shift in the amount of new subscriptions that we were starting to have because of this reminder feature. You guys are busy. You guys have so many things going on with customers, new quotes, employees, hiring, training, all the different problems going on, printing. So when you're looking for a shop management software, you look out and you start to land on different websites. You land on Printavo, you start poking around. Ah, shoot, the phone rings. Or I got to answer this, I'll be right back. And you forget about it. Well, those ads then help remind, oh, okay, let me go back and go. It's the same exact thing with you guys when your customers are coming to look for your products. Um, Adroll.com is the best platform I recommend to get starting on retargeting. Um, they will help you to be able to set it up on your website. 
Uh, if you're using a Shopify store for retail, they actually have a built-in tool to be able to help you now, which is amazing. You'll be able to do retargeting on Instagram, Facebook, and Google Display. So essentially, your consumers are being tracked throughout and they will click back. Now, measuring this, this requires a little bit more uh, technical knowledge, but using what's called a combination of UTM params, which are when you click on a link and you see critaba.com, question mark, um, UTC, you know, equals in this long string of stuff, that's tracking the source of where you came from and the type of ad that you came from too. So using that and using what's called conversion pixels, which you guys will actually set up when you set up AdRoll, you'll be able to track the amount of people that actually came back to the website and clicked on your contact form, for example, to measure that ad spend over time. You can get started with these ad spends for five bucks a day. Okay, so it's very easy and quick to be able to do this. Now, there's another tool um, to help you create ads for AdRoll called bannersnack.com. Um, that one will help you generate, so that way you don't have to open up Photoshop or hire a designer and spend a bunch of time, because there's a lot of different ads. The news feed is a little square ad. The sidebar is a bigger ad. Um, Google Display has 10 different potential ad sizes, so it's a lot. Um, and of course, I'm, you guys probably understand by now, but this is the flow of the user lands on the site, the user leaves, the retargeting ad hits, and the users come back to your site, and you can do that. And you can put up to days of 90 days, I believe I've seen, for ads, and it'll really depend on, on your type of customer. Okay, so this is one that I've that pushed on, and um, one that I actually, I'm glad Ryan from AllMade and Ryan that's here too. This formula here is a rough guesstimate of how much money and time is spent having to count in the accuracy of garments. Um, I, I, I push on, on distribution companies and apparel companies to increase the accuracy so that we can get to a theoretical point of one day not having to worry about counting in garments and just focusing on straight printing them as they come in. Obviously that sounds a little bit crazy now, but I think that there's gonna be a distributor that is going to do this, whether they charge an additional amount for it for the time, or whether that just becomes the basis, and that is gonna raise to the top. So um, about one and a half hours spent a day, this kind of varies between shops. Some shops spend more, some shops spend less. Times about five days a week, times about 50 weeks in a year, um, times about $12 an hour, times about an approximate 25,000 shops just in the US um, is about $112 million worth of time spent every single year. It's massive, okay? And that is 25,000 shops, and that is 1.5 hours. I've seen shops that spend three hours a day or more, and <coughs> estimates up into 30 and 40,000 types of shops. You know, there's a lot of smaller shops and bigger shops that aren't counted in that number. Um, it's huge. It's huge, and it's become a standard to almost accept the fact that um, you just have to count the shirts every single time they come in. I really push, and I think, and, and this is why it's good, and I kind of talked to Omen, I think there's a huge opportunity almost even to charge and say, hey, look, we will pay 500 a month, 1,000 a month. You can add up your time. You can see the dollar cost to how much time it's spent 
to count all in all these quality garments to make sure the styles are right that we're sent, make sure the pockets were sewn on correctly, there's no holes, the colors are correct. And I would pay 500 a month to not have to do that. And you guys have someone sitting on your end counting everything and making sure that when it gets in that box, it's exactly what I said so I can start printing. So um, I think that'll be an interesting competitive advantage that we'll start to see and could be a baseline, but that's gonna be over a five, 10 year period as things become more accurate. In your mind, where do you see the human error factor of that falling? Yeah. Suppliers guaranteeing that, and then how are they going? How are you going to say you guaranteed it, but it's still wrong? No, we guaranteed it. You're wrong. Yeah. So uh, there's always going to be some sort of lowish level of errors. Um, I think one common supply chain is called Six Sigma, which is six per million. Uh, but that gets so low, though, and I, I think that you talk about the types mm -hmm. of errors. Um, if they're like small types of holes, we talk about the 2% number, that's just an acceptable rate that you give to your customers, that's okay. I think what the focus is, is the fact that there's so many types of garments that are sent that are either the wrong types, they're missing, that they're, they're, like we said again, the pockets aren't sewn on, um, that there's such a big margin for improvement still that we can continue to push down and push down to the zero. I, I guess my question would be, why would the supplier expect us to pay extra for them to do their job? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the unfortunate part is that's the standard now. So it's an opportunity for them to be able to do, or somebody to be able to step in and do it. Yeah, but I think we, uh, we just need to push back on suppliers and say, this is your job. Sure. And you know, we had yesterday, uh, ironically, <coughs> that would come up, uh, a major supplier, and we had an order, it was, an uncommonly small order, like 60 shirts, and they left six of them out. Sure. And they were polo shirts, and mm -hmm. it wasn't like all of them of the style, but they left out two colors completely. Yep. I mean, it was on the packing slip. But you know, I mean, even, I, I'm, I'm just not understanding, I guess, how that us paying them extra to do what they're already paid to do is gonna make them do it any better, if we're already paying them to do it anyway. Yeah, I think what this is saying is that this, this um, this standard that has been set is creating a great new business opportunity for someone to be able to come into and to be able to improve upon what has been set so and what's been happening. We can take that same philosophy and charge our customers extra to not make mistakes that we're making now? Uh, good luck passing it down. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that that cost that you'd pay them, you're paying right now in time. You're paying that person to count all that stuff in time every single day. And so you, if, if you could depend on that and you can cut your costs in half by paying them that half, that's just one solution. Obviously, it'd be nice if it was done what it was said. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And that's where the opportunity lies. Yeah. So that's that. Now, um, I want to dive a little bit more into this, but not too deep as... Uh, Shelby, the, the, the online ad guru, is going to really be diving into this one. But this is so, so undervalued and so such a great area still. Um, Facebook's uh, ad platform compared to, you guys I'm sure have heard of Google AdWords. So AdWords, if you haven't, is the ability to bid on Google's keywords. So when someone searched for a keyword, screen printing in Ohio, you can bid on that keyword and you can show up on the top results and funnel more traffic to your site. 
that used to be a very cheap alternative and sometimes is for some sort of sectors, but has gotten much and much more expensive over time as a lot more people have funneled into it and driven the cost up. That hasn't happened yet for this market. So Facebook and Instagram ads are still what I consider undervalued for the target market that you can set. Now, it's difficult. It's not as easy and um, simple as, in my opinion, AdWords is. So it still takes time to realize what the target market is, um, building up the conversions, figuring out your ad spend, figuring out your creative, because there's a lot more levers to tweak and turn. But when it clicks, it really works very, very well. Just think about it. Almost, is there anybody that's not on Facebook? One, you can just raise your hand, it's fine. <laughs> One, two, so, so two out of this group, so every single type of person with different interests, with different needs, with different wants to purchase different types of products are on Facebook and probably Instagram. And so as they track all of those things about you, as creepy it is, it's really good for the people who are advertising on it to be able to reach those types of people. So that's big. And then on top of that, um, Facebook Messenger is almost what email kind of used to be. So email now is relatively tough to reach people just because of the volume of email that people get. There's so many spam boxes um, that get filled and inboxes that people don't even go through. I mean, I'm sure you guys have right inboxes that are like 1,000, 2,000. You kind of scan it to like, uh, yeah, 10,000, right? And you scan it to see what's important. Uh, yeah, open that one. Okay, I'll respond back to him, right? So Facebook Messenger has been a very great way to be able to directly get into a customer's phone that's right on them. And the way to do it that I've seen very well is offer them something that's really, really valuable for nothing. And then you have a direct connect into there. And it's very personal. The whole goal always of sales is personal, personal. It's right in, yeah. So with Messenger, when you said you're going to offer them something, you just go in there cold call them like that? So um, you can actually set up on your, your site, um, show them to probably dive into a tool called ManyChat.com. ManyChat allows you to set up contests or, or, or things on your Facebook page where people can comment and you have a direct way of going straight into their so Messenger. So they've opened the door. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so that opens the door and kind of initiates you to be able to send coupons or messages straight into their inbox from there. Sorry, to piggyback off of Ken's question, so when you said the cold call, are you talking about people, so you're looking specifically perhaps like who visited your page and then access their information? This is, or are you reaching out to customers who you've already worked with but just maybe haven't seen it in a little bit? So this is online. They have to initiate and kind of allow you to be able to do this. The allowing, though, is very light still. So there hasn't been a lot of buildup like there has been with um, uh, other things we have to authorize, right? You have to click authorize. I allow you to access my email and name and so on and so on. This one is like, I comment my name onto a, a post and that's it. I'm authorized and now you can send messages directly into their inbox, the Facebook Messenger inbox. So you're waiting for someone to like your post or, so you're reaching out to people that have, like they kind of have to make a first move. Exactly. But you can drive a lot of value, and um, Shelby will get into this too, but you can drive a lot of value by offering things, by offering free things, by offering free content that your customers would be directly interested in. I mean, how many guys, if I posted something of uh, the transit, if I want to target people 
that are going from manual to an auto. And I posted something that said, five lessons learned from moving from a manual to an auto, and that's the type of person, because I'm trying to sell automatic presses maybe, that would drive people to comment and say, yeah, I want that, I want that, right? And now you have the direct Facebook Messenger link into their uh, profile. Well, what are you talking about posting that recently? Uh, on your Facebook page, yep. All right, so um, this is one thing that's been very popular because of the rise of custom ink and similar tools online. Um, I know people use designer tools a little bit differently, and this is something that we've watched the trend over the last, uh, I've seen the last seven to 10 years. Um, <clears throat> designer tools, if you're using it to be your kind of contact form or your reach out form, or how people get into to like that's the easiest way to get in touch with you. They are hurting your conversions to, for people to be able to get in touch. So designer tools should be very supplementary to your direct contact form or a kind of new inquiry form that should be very simple and easy to use. The reason is is just because more friction equals decreased conversions. Plain and simple. If there's, I have to click this and drag and click this shirt and drag on here and then I hit contact, and that's the kind of quote form, you guys are hurting the conversions of the amount of people getting through that funnel, reaching out to you guys, and therefore the sale is down the road. Okay, um, screen printing industry, I remember it too. When we first got started, we looked to who was our neighbor, who is the person down the block and what were their prices because that's how we're going to price. To truly look at your business and to be able to price off that. It's too all uncommon, especially when you get started, to try to be very, very scrappy and say, oh, well, I'll just charge him 10 cents less and do it for whatever he did. And just so you can have the job and keep moving forward. Unfortunately, for an industry as a whole, that means the overall price, as you know, continues to go down. Now, the other thing about that is that, as everybody knows, you have no idea what the costs are for that neighbor is to what the costs are to I am. Time is something that we don't always look at as far as a cost. So when you're looking at your true business expenses, you really need to look at everything as a whole. Everything you're doing, everything that truly costs you dollars and costs you time to be able to understand your true monthly costs as far as sales that you need to hit. We've also been talking about, and there might be a conversation about raising minimums, about um, profit first, about truly pricing for your customer and not for, um, to, to undercut. Now, um, adding more value is difficult, and I always think, well, what do you mean by add more value? Like, it's so easy just to say, just to raise costs, but what does that mean? Well, of course, we talk about the bag and tag, it, but it really talks about what is the type of customer that we're looking at and what are their true needs. Sometimes it also takes looking at the customer, asking them for 15 minutes and understanding who are their customers, what do they need to be able to say, okay, I can actually help you do this. I can set up this store. Um, I can actually handle the design services for you guys. I can generate new designs for you guys and be able to create that personal relationship. Matt said it beautifully before, the brand is a personal connection between you and the customer, and when that happens, the price becomes kind of fluttery and it doesn't matter as much. 
How many times have you guys paid for something that's a little bit more or even a lot more just because you really love working with that person or you value them or you know that they're going to get it done? It happens all the time. So that's really something to think about when you go back into your shop and you say, okay, I have this personal relationship with this person. How are we going to actually price the job so that it's based on our business, based on our cost, and it's not based on the competitor? A Printavo example for this is our pricing plan. Some of you guys have been with us for five years, some of us with a year or so, and you can see the prices have increased. We have competitors out there, Shopbox, um, Inksoft Echo Network, and they compete and they stay their price and, and they have down to $9.99 to $29.99 and so on. But we continue to increase what we have in our offering. And the reason is, is that we don't want to be a race to the bottom. We want to offer the core, core product. And what's interesting too is that we also don't offer a product that has a million and one features. We don't have as many features as Shopworks has. But what we do is we really focus on the core abilities and we say we can do these really, really well and we keep iterating and improving and we're there for our customers when they need us. So that's where that price comes from and that's how you guys can help mimic that back in your shop too. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to your, your podcast with Mark. Yeah, yeah, about we'll do pricing, it. I think that was super helpful. Um, have you ever seen that tool that Ryan built with like the, yeah. the spreadsheet? Yeah, yeah. I actually was working on that one along with creating another one. Yeah. So with that, where, where I find it difficult to get an accurate cost representation is all the variables. So like if you take 12 months of your monthly costs <coughs> or your yearly costs, like if you include payroll in that cost, <coughs> Then there's a section that's like um, hourly rate. So like I'm wondering if, you know, to develop a good pricing grid on the quantity and, and a per job basis, if you would take, if you would include payroll throughout the entire year and break that down into monthly expenses and per job, and also enter in um, like the cost or the number of employees on that specific job. Or if you just take the overhead and include payroll in to the, to the expenses. So um, we're actually working on one. I, I think I think the difficulty also uh, happens when the press isn't running, because in theory that actually drives your cost up as equipment isn't moving. So the the true cost and the true uh, pricing actually fluctuates over time depending on what's going on, right? Because if you're running a job and you're just printing. Um, 5,000 shirts is different from printing 10 orders of 500 shirts, right? Because set of 10 analytics, actually. And speaking of which, that's what I'm going to dive into on this one, too, is just the fact that the power of data has become so, so big. And I think you guys hear uh, about big data, what does that actually mean, and, and just diving into deep analysis of your data. I don't think there's really anything very good for small, medium-sized businesses to be able to analyze data very easily. It's a lot of kind of data dump. And we've truly um, kind of offered a dump of it, but it's not there yet. And that's what we're working on too, because we want to not only create the platform to be able to see that impressions per hour, 
but to dive deeper into something like uptime percentage and all the factors that build into that. So um, that, that's exactly what we're going to. Work in progress, but yeah. for recognizing is not just going off your neighbor's pricing because that's been the standard, but really every shop's different. You have to use data to even formulate the price. With your offerings, like you could offer a great service, but that's going to factor into why people pay more to, to work with a reputable company. Yeah. Exactly. And thinking about it as a supply chain business, uh, focus on manufacturing instead of printing T-shirts. I think also helps kind of extract the the flow and realizing um, what are the kind of methodologies, what are the different data points around, what is the turnaround time, things like that. Which is going into data that that we're going to dive into too. Yeah, Justin. So this is like slightly out of place and probably putting you on the spot, uh, but in terms of like from how we're reading data, you know, and knowing. Um, things like how many impressions, right, like um, on an order, like one thing that, that we struggle a lot with, with like scheduling, is in Printago I could have two orders right next to each other, and on the surface they're identical, but one could be 10,000 shirts and one could be 10 shirts. Totally. So, you know, just wanted to like mention that. I think as like it, it's able to analyze that data, that's already there. So having uh, the ability to create some sort of visual cues to say like this is a, a two-week production order, and this is a one-hour order. Yeah, um, I should just hop into the roadmap. <laughs> no, no, okay, okay. Um, that's actually out there too. Scheduling. So scheduling is actually difficult. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem. Um, no, scheduling is very difficult in that it changes depending on the business uh, size as well, and the needs change. So th that's where it becomes hard to say, especially as we started when I knew was a six person shop. And then as we started to grow and be able to handle with Justin and working with the Jeffs, um, the needs change. And so that's one of the things we're going to be providing into that that I'll be able to, to show you guys tomorrow too. You better extend that, uh, that time there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is going to be a hard cut off. Okay. Um, so, so data, absolutely really big. Being able to pull out a lot of data. I've seen some really cool stuff, especially, um, Mike, I saw some of your pivot tables that you're running to be able to show you know, some of the most valuable customers. How much? How many shirts are they printing? Um, be able to cut off customers and raise minimums off that. Um, really, really neat to be able to help strengthen your business from a financial standpoint and just from an overall business and happiness standpoint. So that's really cool. And then the last point here is, oh, no, wait, oh, wow. Um, better management. So we talked a lot about in the Q&A of going from in the business to on the business. This is a very, very difficult um, thing that to do. It happened with me as well. So I think there's a couple things that help make it easier. And I think Jeff really touched on a big one is having people in the shop that you can trust and really, really taking care of those people. And some of those happen through one-on-ones. So meeting with each individual team member as much as the, the people that are responsible to you, asking them, how are things going? How can I make your job easier? What can I, what can I do with your role? And you'll actually start to see that some of these things are things that you can offload your day-to-day -day onto them and let them do and just be able to sit back and kind of close your eyes and just let happen. 
But growing into a manager is huge. I was actually going to mention HBR, Harvard Business Review as well. Probably the best publication to read for helping to be a leader and become a manager. It's worth every single penny. They can send you uh, morning email tips too that are free. You get three free articles to read a week or something like that. Harvard Business Review is incredible. You guys will be able to check that out. And growing out of the sort of printer mentality, and something that I challenge everybody to push off your work almost essentially. And what helps too is to really write down every single thing that you do every day for about a week, be able to look at that list, be able to look at a list of things that you want to do as a business owner, and be able to say, okay, I can give these three to this person and train them. I can give these two to this person and train them. I need to hire someone for this. And you may not be able to hire them now, but that's where your goal and that's what you want to be able to, to push forward onto. Okay, and this is the last part. Um, I thought there would be kids in here, so I changed shit to stuff. But the point <laughs> is, is that, um, how many of you guys got like just really strained out or stressed in the last seven days? Okay, so a lot of times that happens is because you're so involved in the details and the workflow and you're doing stuff that you probably don't want to be doing. Now, if you don't have the money to hire someone to be able to do that stuff, that's fine. You have a goal of where to hit to be able to hire someone to help you do that. But you need to really focus on those pools of different roles and responsibilities to offload that into groups as you continue to grow. So as you continue to grow, you offload this and you move forward. You offload the marketing aspect and you move forward. You offload the HR and you move forward. And you keep pushing forward so that you don't burn out and you can focus on the things you really love to be able to do every single day. That gives you the longevity to continue to do it for 10 and 20 years forward. Now again, it takes time, it takes patience, it's a constant uh, process.